everyone, and welcome to episode 167 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and like usual, I'm joined this week by Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth, what's going on? Uh, not much. Ready to talk some magic. So this week... Our big focus will once again be Dominaria, but before we jump into Dominaria, we want to talk a little bit about the GPs that went down over this weekend. It was Seattle, there were multiple GPs, there was a Legacy GP, it was pretty sweet, but we mostly wanted to focus on Standard, because a couple of interesting things happened at the Standard GPs. So, a little bit of Standard GP talk, Dominaria spoilers like crazy, and then we'll wrap things up with some fish mail. So, we better jump into it, lots of fish mail this week. So, Richard, did you happen to catch any of the GP action over the weekend. Nope. <laughs> Can you fill me in, Seth? Did something important happen at these Grand Prix? Uh, so I was bouncing back and forth with my magic watching. There was Cedric and Patrick doing modern on SCG, also GP stuff. So I was going back and forth. But the big news of the GP scene was kind of twofold. First off, Gan Yan won the standard GP with Ramanomp Redless, Ramanomp Red, Mono Red Aggro, whatever. But the big deal there was he went 18 and 0, the first time in the history of magic GPs that someone literally ran the table, no losses, no draws, no intentional concessions or anything. So all the way through, and it almost happened the Legacy GP as well. I guess the Legacy GP winner actually didn't lose a game, but they scooped to a friend in round 15 to make their friend get into the top eight or increase their chances. So almost did it there as well. So that was one big news. Also, we actually have a pretty new deck in standard with this crazy blue-red God Pharaoh's gift deck. So any thoughts on 18 and 0, Richard? How hard is that? Like, how hard is it to go 18 and 0 at a GP? I mean, it's really hard, but I'm surprised it's never been done. I, I guess because of the way the tournaments work, you're usually incentivized to kind of just draw the last round. So a lot of people kind of just draw in kind of the final rounds or you get like a unintentional draw somewhere. So to actually go uh, 18 and 0 and uh, make it all the way through and not pull a New England Patriots as you so told me <laughs> earlier and kind of like go through Swiss tear through and then lose in the finals or something that's actually quite impressive and it's not like they're playing Cobblade or something it's 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 mono red everyone knows mono red so that's just tight play and good draws throughout the entire tournament so that that is impressive yeah i mean it definitely takes good play so uh congratulations to ganyan on that also there's got to be some amount of luck involved just if you think about 18 matches of magic odds are you're going to get mana screwed at some point or Moldafor at some point. So there's a little bit of luck thrown in, but still super impressive, like to go 18 and 0 and actually take down the tournament. The other big thing was this blue red God Pharaoh's gift deck. So this deck is kind of funny. There was someone posted a 5-0 with a somewhat similar list a couple of months ago, and it's built around getting back combat celebrants with your God Pharaoh's gift. So you can kind of like combo and take a bunch of attack steps and win right away. I tried the initial build of the deck, and I thought it was horrible. I could not win a game with it, but it's sort of evolved since then, and the deck actually looks pretty sweet now. So what do you think of this list, Richard? Uh, apparently, everyone in, in Seattle is just, like, hiding there playing <laughs> Blue-Red God Pharaoh's <laughs> gift. Just out of nowhere, this deck just explodes, and I, I don't know what to make of this. Is this a weird local metagame thing? Because I know Seattle... Uh, is a big legacy city and there's a very like localized metagame there. Does the same thing happen for standard or are we seeing kind of 
the new standard emerged from this. You know, next week everyone's everyone will be rocking blue red Godfaro's gift, and this is the start of the metagame shifting into something new. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be a real deck because we've seen a few scattered five O's on Magic online, so it's not like this deck just came out of nowhere. Well, I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere, but not literally nowhere. But it put three different people into the top eight, which if you would guess before the tournament what deck would put three in the top eight, it would probably be Scarab God or Red Aggro, definitely not Blue Red God Pharaoh's Gift. So it was actually not just like one person spiked the event with their pet deck, multiple people put up really good performances. And the thing I really like about this deck, God Pharaoh's Gift decks in the past have been really focused on the God Pharaoh's Gift, where you kind of... Almost like a Heartless Summoning problem. Like, you build these Heartless Summoning decks, when you have Heartless Summoning, your deck looks like it's the most busted thing in the entire history of Magic, but if you don't draw Heartless Summoning, then your deck looks horrible. This deck kind of eliminates that problem, because it's basically this really weird blue-red aggro deck. Everything in the deck, outside of a couple of Vizier of Many Faces, is three or less mana. You got Bomet Couriers and Fanatical Firebrads and Warkite Marauders, so you can actually just be this really janky is it beatdown deck and then the combo of god pharaoh's gift is kind of like your lightning bolt or something you get in this early damage you have all these random creatures that sacrifice themselves and then all of a sudden you just take two or three combats in a row force through those last points of damage with your 2-1 war kite marauder or whatever happens to be on the battlefield and win the game so it looks really janky but i actually think this deck's pretty legit and that we will see more of it yeah i i like it because it's these cards have been floating around for a while and no one no one thought this would work. But then someone tried it and it worked, and then here we are. An aggro deck with a seven drop. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's what's happened. So <laughs> weird, but uh, very interesting. Uh, otherwise, pretty normal stuff. God Pharaoh's gift, the blue red one was the breakout. Otherwise, some, some vehicles. Some mono red, not as many scarab gods as I would have thought. Probably the other, I guess if you want to call it a breakout deck, was actually black red vehicles, which is kind of almost mono red aggro with more vehicles thrown in, splashing front license disintegration. So, but otherwise, not anything super crazy to take away from the event. I will say, it seems like the community's mood has really shifted on standard. Have you noticed that, Richard? Like, we spent the better part of a year where the only things you heard about standard were negative, 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 complaints, 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 went through so many bannings, but now the mood on, like, social media or even just watching the GPs, I think people are finally pretty happy about where we're at with standard yeah and i would say the community as a whole is actually pretty happy if you think about it this is actually probably unprecedented people are on the up and up about brawl uh outside of some voices complaining about arena in general i think the arena narrative is good people uh like modern people like standard People like everything magic right now. There isn't really much to complain about. Even like cardstock quality, we haven't heard as much complaints about. So I, I, I guess we heard about foil warping from uh, Commander 2017 or... Is it 2017? The one with Kess. Yeah. Uh, that's the only negative thing I've heard in a while about magic. So we are actually a very happy group recently. 
Yeah, kind of surprising and refreshing to some extent. Other than, like you said, uh, I'm still on the complaint about Arena's economy train, but otherwise, Magic, it's it's really turned around. At least the community's feelings about it have really turned around. And it was a rough year, but I think we actually, we talked about this like six months ago after we were going through like the final rounds of bannings and we're like, we're so close. Energy is the problem. Wizards just messed up with energy. If we finally just get rid of it, things will be good. And and I think that ended up being true. Like, I think if you look back over it, finally just getting rid of energy altogether, nerfing it extremely uh, severely, actually did fix standard. And now we're in a good place. Like, modern didn't break with Jace being unbanned. Standard is finally healthy. People are excited about new formats. So it seems like, uh, compared to last year this time, which was probably the worst period of time in my experience in the Magic community, going back, like, a bunch of years, I think that was maybe the low point of my time in Magic, just as far as how people felt about the game and what was going on. And now all of a sudden, it's just on a 180. So it's pretty exciting to see. Well, hold on for Dominaria, Seth. We might have some <laughs> emergency bans incoming. We'll see. Uh, speaking of Dominaria, let's move on. We have a ton of Dominaria to talk about since last week. I think now we have every Mythic officially confirmed and spoiled, a decent amount of the rares, so we'll still have some stuff trickling out over the next, uh, the rest of this week. But Richard, why don't you take it away? We got a bunch of cards we want to talk about today. All right, we're, we're going to rapid fire through the Mythics and then some choice rares we want to talk about. So we have a legendary creature, Elder Demon. Demon Lord Belzenlock, 4 black black, 6-6, six, six, flying trample, when it enters a battlefield, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card, then put that card into your hand. If that card's converted mana cost is 4 or greater, repeat this process. Uh, Demon Lord deals 1 damage to you for each card put in your hand this way. This card's actually pretty good, I think. I actually really like this card. It it reminds me of a Hearthstone card. <laughs> I don't remember which Hearthstone card it is. But if you think that it's a 6-mana six 6-6 six, six flying trample, that's already good. Worst case, you draw a card. Best case, you draw multiple cards. And that's not even including, like, Tomer's 6-drop tribal deck or something, <laughs> where you just get to draw your entire deck when you cast this. So I think this is actually a pretty decent demon. For Commander? <laughs> I, I don't know how many cards you're actually going to draw, because how many 4-plus converted mana cost cards are you going to have in your deck? So I think most times this, this thing draws one card, maybe two if you're lucky. Uh, so that's that's okay. It's a 6-drop. It's a 6-6 six, six flying trample. Like, uh, it's okay. I think it's okay. I don't know that it'll see standard play. I think you might try it in Commander. Uh, I think if you're playing Tomer's six-deck tribal, <laughs> you can't even play this. You're going to die, right? You can't even play this in that deck. Yeah, you'd have to like <laughs> put a couple of lower converted mana cost things in, or you oh. would just kill yourself. What, what is that tutor? Remember we always kill ourselves with that tutor and commander? Oh, spoil spoils? No, not spoils of the vault. It's like spoils of yeah. the vault. Yeah, this, uh. this seems like one of those cards that could kill you <laughs> if you don't build your deck right. But it is cool. It is an Elder Demon. We have, I think we, we this don't is the first. I think this might be the first Elder Demon. Also, Panharmonicon. <laughs> you draw, then you're guaranteed to draw two cards, and it's four Each. or more mana, so you get to get respin if you draw your Panharmonicon off of it. Yeah, it's a combo. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the deck, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next we have Derry Gaz 
reincarnated for black red green so seven converted mana cost seven seven legendary creature dragon flying trample haste uh if it would die instead exile it with three egg counters at the beginning of your upkeep uh, if Dairy Gods is exiled with an A counter, remove an A counter from it. Then, if there are no A counters, return it to the battlefield. Eh. I mean, I think this card is very powerful. It reminds me of Hellkite Overlord, where it's just, if you ramp into this, and we got pretty good ramp with, like, Hour of Promise, Gift of Paradise, but if you can ramp into this on, like, turn 5 or turn 6, that's a lot of flying, trampling, hasty damage is just smashing in. I think the egg counter thing is kind of deceiving, though, as far as standard is concerned, because so much of the, the removal spells that actually kill this dragon are going to exile it, like Veraska's Contempts, Cast outs, uh, Ixalan's Binding, the stuff that would naturally kill it, Fatal Pushes and Cast Downs and stuff like that, it's not going to kill Dragas anyway, or Daragas, however you say it. So I think that the egg part is deceiving, but I kind of like it for standard, just as this huge game-ending threat that you can ramp into really quickly. Yeah, I the egg part is really, like, three turns is a long time, so it's pretty much removed as soon as it dies. But it is a 7-7 Flying Trample Haste. Is this the Phoenix of the set, Seth? <laughs> Are we not getting a Phoenix? Is, is it this literally a Phoenix mechanic? Like, this doesn't seem very Jundy. It seems like it's a Phoenix uh, that, that, you know, got born as a dragon instead. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is a little bit weird. It does feel Phoenixy, the mechanic on it. So I don't I don't know. I haven't seen a Phoenix yet. Maybe this is our token Phoenix. I wish there was some way to remove egg counters. Like for every spell you play or something, remove an egg counter. So you can actually get it back quite quickly. But as huh. is three turns is a while. I wonder what do you think? Oh, it's exiled with an egg counter. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say... You can't, like, so, hex parasite it or something. Yeah, there's no real <laughs> tricks from the exile zone. Yeah. That feels like a Hearthstone card, too. <laughs> Seth, how much Hearthstone have you been playing? Not even, <laughs> Why not is even everything much? a Hearthstone card? I'm just remembering all these things. It, uh, have you played Hearthstone recently? I have not played uh, in, like, I don't like know, two years. There's, like, a big thing that you... you when it when it dies it like slumbers or something and when so many spells are cast it comes back i don't know this, this uh, we are we are hearthstone now <laughs> all right next we got lyra dawnbringer three white white five five legendary creature angel flying first strike lifelink other angels you control get plus one plus one and have lifelink i mean it's like a a legendary baneslayer angel essentially it seems good to me I, I mean, I don't know how much the angel lord aspect will really matter in standard, That it kind of has the Unesh problem where all the angels are so expensive, kind of like Sphinx, that you can't really build a functional angel curve. So maybe you have like one other angel and it's a nice bonus, but I don't think you can really build tribal angels in standard. But just as a Baneslayer angel on the top end of your curve or to gain back some life, I don't know how like Ramanomp Red, if you're playing a control deck, this seems like a great sideboard card. They can't really kill it. It's going to gain you so much life. They can't really kill you. So I think it's good in standard, but I don't think the angel tribal tech matters that much for standard yeah it's bane slayer so playable without the angel but we do have some angels we have four mana angels 
We have like the four mana three four that does something I can't remember. Oh, the hexproof! It gives yes. gives out you and all your stuff hexproof. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we have like fake restoration angel and stuff, so you can actually curve curve into the angels. But I I can see it as like a stabilizing card. The lifelink is pretty powerful, so control decks could plop this down and gain some life back to stabilize the board. Yeah, I think you can definitely play it with a couple other angels, but you don't want to be the like, hey, I'm playing for Lyra's, I'm playing for Angel of Sanctions, I'm playing for Angel of Invent, just like five drop tribal and have every, like, the curve would just be too clunky. So I think you can get some fringe upside, like four drop angel into this swing, gain a bunch of life from your four drop angel. That is pretty powerful. So I think it incentivizes you to try to play a few more angels, but I don't think you can be traditional tribal, like you'd see with Merfolk or a deck like that. That, where it's just like everything is a tribe member yep i'm waiting for commander where you entreat the angels and then <laughs> plop this down and gain like a billion life <laughs> how good do you think this is, like is it relevant com- for commander as a as a commander like is this gonna be an angel tribal commander or if you're playing angels are you gonna play Probably uh, like the-, the problem is it's not multicolor, so you can't play all of the the cool new angels like sagarda I can't remember the red-white one, but, like, you know, all those, like, multicolor angels. And then if you're playing mono-white, you actually have the option of big Avacyn or little Avacyn. So you can definitely use this as a commander, but it's not, like, a clear cut, oh, this will be your angel commander. Because there are plenty of angel commanders, and, of course, there's always Kalia. So you, you have tons of options when it comes to angel commanders for tribal. But if you're playing Angel Commander deck, you probably would definitely want this in your 99, because it seems like mm-hmm. a pretty legit angle, uh, Angel in your 99. You know where this would be good? Brawl. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's probably the best angel commander in Brawl, Richard. I'll give. You, I don't even know if that's that. true. I don't know how many angels we have in standard right now. It might not actually be. The color restriction is a big deal. If, if this was somehow like multiple colors, it would be better. Uh, Alright, next card. We have Muldrotha the Gravetide. Three green, black, blue. So six converted mana cost, six six, legendary creature, elemental avatar. During each of your turns, you may play up to one permanent card of each permanent type from your graveyard. This is probably the first card I'll build a brawl deck around. <laughs> it's just so much value. I don't think there's... I haven't found any real specific combos with it, but... Jeez, just being able to replay multiple cards from your graveyard each turn, it seems like a really fun card to build around. And a 6-6 for 6 isn't absolutely horrible. Can this be used in any older format? (sighs) You can do a lot of powerful things with this. The problem, I think, is like, I think to really play in older formats, you probably got to reanimate it. Maybe some sort of weird Nick Fit deck or something could play it in Legacy, but for the most part, six mana pretty much means you're reanimating something. And then if you're reanimating something, it's like, well, why isn't this Grizzlebrand or <laughs> an Emrakul or something like that that just straight up kills my opponent rather than like, oh, I get to play my fetch land again. Oh, I get to whatever. I think it is powerful that you can keep getting back using it like a Ramen Up Excavator almost or Crucible Worlds to keep getting back lands from your graveyard so it's it's a powerful effect that i think would be playable i just don't know what deck can cast it consistently for six mana yeah uh if you can ignore the ca- casting cost somehow you can do broken <laughs> things because you can keep playing your strip mine again or your wasteland uh you can like thought seize every turn if you felt like it uh and you can well, do multiple of these right? that's not a permanent though I don't oh think. you can't thought seize yeah it doesn't uh, so spells. so you can 
You can Liliana. You can Deathrite Shaman if they keep removing it. You can... Oh, what's the pernicious deed? Yep. <laughs> Vinral's disc, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. It so you can like play a lot of stuff every turn. Uh, maybe, yeah. But I mean, but maybe. it's six mana. I don't know how you're going to do this. I'm sure you'll figure out how to make this work in modern sense. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely try, because it seems really fun. All right, next, we have Multana, Yavamaya's Avatar. Four green, green, zero, zero. Legendary creature, elemental avatar. Reach, trample, Multana, Yavamaya Avatar gets plus one, plus one for each land you control and each land in your graveyard. One in a green, return two lands you control to their owner's hand. Return Multana from your graveyard to your hand. I actually really like this card. I'm not 100% sure why I really like this card, but it I think it's because I like Seder Wayfinders and those kind of like self-mill strategies. And this card can be really big. The fact that it lands on the battlefield and in your graveyard means you should be able to make it a 10-10, 12-12. And then because it has trample, you can just swing in and kill your opponent. Like, it can't just be chump blocked by servo tokens or something. So I don't know if it'll actually be good enough for standard, but it's the kind of card that I could imagine myself building a deck around. Yeah, and remember, like, fetch lands and stuff, so, like, Evolving Wilds, if not most standard, or actual fetch lands, give two power, because you have a land on a battlefield, and a copy goes to your graveyard, and like you said, Seder Wayfinder, uh, those kind of effects kind of just power this up, and it has Trample, and it comes back if it dies, so I actually really like it as well. It's like a goif. I, I love these kind of, like, dependent on graveyard for power and toughness type creatures. And then your opponent plays a rest in peace. and But it's fine. You have lands in play as well. So if they Armageddon rest in peace, then, then Multana's looking kind of sad. Oh, that's that's the deck, Richard. We have Follow the Thran. So you play this, Follow the Thran, blow up all the lands, and then yeah. just kill your opponent. Yep. Hmm. What about Brawl? How good is this in Brawl, Richard? <laughs> I, I, I don't. Probably good. <laughs> But I don't know what you would do with this. Is is there commander damage in Brawl? There's no, not, right? There's not. Uh, that but makes you, this a little worse. But they only have 30 life, though, right? So you can kill them faster. Uh, next, we have Narumeha, Master Wizard, 2 blue blue, 3 3, legendary creature, human wizard. Flash, when Narumeha, Master Wizard, enters the battlefield, copy target instant or sorcery you control. You may choose new targets for that copy. Other wizards you control get plus one plus one. I think this card's fine. I'm just so disappointed that it's only copying spells you control. I really wanted it to be like dual caster caster. mage. Then I think it would be really powerful. But the fact that you have to have four mana to cast this and mana to cast a spell, you need a lot of mana. I think maybe it's better in commander, but commander already has really good wizards commanders. I do like that you can keep replaying it but it's still it's just such a big mana sink so i would like it a lot more if it was dual caster mage rather than only you control wait how do you replay this well if it's your commander it dies and recasted and oh that's so expensive yeah it's you're gonna have to play like getaxian probe (laughs) (laughs) fork that thing yeah dual caster mage is so much better I, I don't I, know what you would do with this. And plus, I'll probably screw it up because I won't hold priority while casting the spell on Magic Online. What uh, about the wizard pumping? Is this relevant? Do we have wizard token makers yet? We do not have wizard token makers, but we do have a pretty aggressive... Like, I think that's probably the real power of the card. I think you look at this like 
you're playing wizard tribal and standard you're curving out one drop two drop three drop and then the fact that this is a lord with flash is actually kind of good like you can attack your opponent blocks and then you flash this in to make the blocks bad and get value that way so i think it's like I think that's the card. You got to think of this as a four mana wizard lord with flash. And then once in a while, the game goes really long. You have eight mana. You happen to draw your glimmer of genius or something and you get lucky and you get to double it up. I see. I like that. Flash lords. Like you have an ether vial all the time. <laughs> yeah, basically. But, but you're going to hold up four mana, okay? <laughs> and, and we have wizard panharmonicon thing. Nay, yep. nay, uh That seems pretty fun too. All right. Last mythic we're going to talk about, Varric's Bladewing. Two red red, four four. Legendary creature, dragon. Kicker three, flying. When it enters a battlefield, if it was kicked, create a legendary four four red dragon creature token with flying. It's a good rate, kicked and unkicked. Like, a four four flyer for four is pretty good. It's like thunder break regent. And then two four fours for seven is also good, especially with flying. The legendary part's kind of obnoxious. The other thing is, we have Hazaret, we have Chandra, we have Rekindling Phoenix. So I feel like, even though this card is pretty good, it's like the fourth best red four drop or something right now. So it might not see play because of that. Mm, what about when all those cards rotate? <laughs> well, Rekindling Phoenix is going to stick around, which is an issue. But I think it is more appealing once Hazret and Chandra are gone this far, uh, this fall. Oh, is Broodmate Dragon no longer good enough for standard? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is legendary Broodmate. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What do you think of this? Like, how big of a deal is the legendary part of it? Or am I? I, I think I it's a big deal. Yeah. Because if you draw two of them, you can't even play them. <laughs> like, you got to wait for the first one to die, and if. For some reason, you kicked one and they remove, say, Varix, and you have another one. You can't even get value because you're going to legendary yourself, legendary rule yourself with either the dragon or the token. So it's uh, very obnoxious that the token itself is legendary as well. Yeah, it would be a lot better, even if Varix, at least if uh, the token was not legendary, you could still just like cast another, kick another Varix and get another token out of the deal. But with them both being legendary, it feels really clunky to play it more than like a two of. Yeah, but it's going to be really good in Dragon EDH decks. And Dragon Brawl decks. Dragon Brawl decks. (laughs) All right, Seth, you wrote an entire article... (laughs) <laughs> on this we're gonna talk about dampening no damping sphere it's damping sphere oh two mana artifact if a land is tapped for two or more mana it produces colorless instead of any other type and amount each spell a player cast costs one more uh to cast for each other spell that player has cast this turn oh. This card, I don't know if it does anything in standard, but it's going to be a sideboard staple in modern, I think. It is maybe the best card we have against Tron now, and it's also pretty good against Storm, so I expect this to be very heavily played in modern, because both of those decks are like in the top five right now in the format, so I feel like the fact that it hits on two of the biggest decks in the format, and there's other weird matchups where it's like kind of decent and good, I think it's going to make it a really good sideboard option. Does this replace Blood Moon? Does this replace, I don't know, Aetherstorm Canonist? Does it replace <laughs> all the hate cards we have today? Maybe. I think... 
you lose the jank out power of Blood Moon. Like, a lot of decks play Blood Moon Is that because... an official rating concept? The jank <laughs> well, out power? Well, you just... It picks up free wins against people. Like, that's part of the power of Blood Moon, is sometimes your opponent's playing Jund or something, and you just cast Blood Moon and you win the game. You can't really do that with Damping Sphere. I think, though, the power of it is the cards that are good against Storm aren't good against Tron, and the cards that are good against Tron aren't good against Storm, and one of the biggest pinches in Modern is there's so many playable decks, there's like 30 or 50 or 100 playable decks in the format, that your sideboard slots are super valuable, and you can't really, uh, you can't really afford to just beat Tron, like sure, it's one of the most played decks in the format, but that's like 8% of the meta or something, so you can't just be like, oh, I'm gonna just play four Damping Spears and I'll never lose to Tron, that's true, you probably never will lose to Tron, but you can't afford to do that in Modern because there's so many decks, so the fact that this is really good against Tron, and pretty good, it's not as good as Canonist against Tron, or against Storm. It's not as good as Blood Moon necessarily against all versions of Tron. I think it's better against traditional Tron, but not as good against like Eldrazi Tron. But the fact that it's close to being as good as other options and it fights two different decks, I think is why you would play this over Canonist or over Blood Moon. Like you hate on two matchups for the price of one, which gives you more slideboard slots for other matchups. Yeah, as a Jun player, I love this. Because no one's going to have room for four Blood Moons, four Damping Spears. So I think people will cut the Blood Moons for Damping Spear, and I will no longer get Blood Mooned. <laughs> the other thing is, it's like a Blood Moon that doesn't hurt your mana base. So in theory, like, Blood Moon doesn't just beat Tron. Like, eventually they draw their stuff and cast their cards naturally. So you need to have a fast clock, too. The fact that you can be playing, like, Zoo or something... Uh, that needs five colors of mana or whatever to cast your tribal flames. You can't really play Blood Moon in that deck, but you can play Damping Sphere, so it gives decks that couldn't play Blood Moon a similarly powerful way to fight against Tron. Also really relevant that it's two mana. One of the problems with Blood Moon against Tron and for, like, rule of law against Storm is if you're on the draw, your opponent can potentially just have the Karn or Storm off with Brawl and whatever before you get to play your hate card. With this being two mana, you always get to play it before your opponent has their big turn three. So that's actually a big upside too. Yeah. Uh, you can play it on the draw. It's also colorless. I mean, a prerequisite to playing Blood Moon is having red mana. And you can't just like splash red because your Blood Moon's going to kill you. <laughs> like yeah. You have to be like a predominantly red deck. So this gets around that. Uh, it, it doesn't hose mana, like you said, which is sometimes relevant. For example, a Blood Moon will kind of shut down Eldrazi because they don't actually have colorless mana unless they grab a Waste. Uh, with Damping Sphere, they can presumably get to four mana still and cast Thought Not Seer. Uh, it doesn't shut down, I don't know, go over the Burn Willows, so they can still have green mana. Uh, normal Tron can have green mana to Nature's Claim this thing. So there, this isn't like the Silver Bullet, but I do suspect that Tron players will be very unhappy that any deck can now slam this in. And then I think Storm players, you know, John Finkel will be very sad at the incidental hate here because everyone's packing Damping Spears for Tron now and uh, Storm will just get kind of hated out because of that. So it seems like we're going towards a fair meta in Modern and good thing Jun's already one of the strongest decks. So <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So will you be playing this in your Jun deck, Richard? I don't think so. I think Fulminators... I don't I don't play Blood Moons. Like, we don't have enough sideboard slots. So I think Fulminators do kind of the same job, but they have other applications. 
but it is a possibility to cut fulminators and go try damp damping spheres. But I, I think I'll, I'll keep with fulminators uh, as a default, and we'll just do testing to see how it works out. Also worth mentioning, it kind of messes up your blood braids because cascade is like the second spell you cast. So you would have to pay an extra mana. That's true. And also, you can't, like, I don't know, Thought Seize Tarmogoy for something with three mana. It, it, like, that one... Ta- that's like a Thalia, right? Like, that, that is actually relevant. You're trying to actually cast more than one thing per turn uh, for most decks. So this, this does hurt you uh, slightly, unless you're actually a... I, I don't know what kind of deck just plays one spell, like... Tron, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every other deck is trying to play more than one spell per turn, so that, that taxing effect will affect you. Alright, let's talk about a cool card. We have Helm of the Hosts. Legendary artifact equipment for generic mana. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a token that's a copy of equipped creature, except that token isn't legendary if equipped creature is legendary. That token gains haste. Equip 5. I think this might be one of the most fun cards in the entire set. I don't know if it's playable in standard. It's a lot of mana to really get going, but it doesn't say until end of turn. When I first read this, I just assumed that you were getting, like, the hasty token, you get in your damage, maybe an enter the battlefield trigger, but the token actually sticks around, and you can do some really funny things, like, uh, you can fire up a Gideon into creature mode and equip it and make non-legendary Gideon, so you can have a bunch of Gideon Planeswalkers, it goes infinite with combat celebrant, you just keep making the token and exerting with the token and attacking and doing again and again and again, so I think that you can do some really cool things with it. I don't know if any of those things actually can show up in standard competitively, but it is a really fun card to build around. Yeah, uh, I don't know what I want, but I'm going to make a deck with Helm of Hosts and Blade of Selves, and I'm going (laughs) to make a token... And then equip the token with Blade of Selves, and then I'm going to have, like, six of my commander on the battlefield. I don't know what commander (laughs) is best to abuse that, but there's got to be something crazy you can do with this. You need to, like, Helm of Hosts and play Mirror Gallery, so the legend rule doesn't apply, and then make more Helm of Hosts, or make Helm of Hosts into a creature with March of the Machines or Bludgeon (laughs) Brawl and equip it to itself. (laughs) Oh, this card is so cool. There's got to be something stupidly fun you can do with this because legendary creatures have all kinds of cool effects but you can't clone them because they're legendary but now this kind of removes that so this it seems it reminds me of panharmonicon in some sense it feels like that kind of really fun build around being legendary is a little annoying but it seems like the kind of card that i will just play in essentially every one of my commander decks unless it's like a, a spell slinger deck or something with no creatures but it seems really easy to get value out of in commander and probably brawl <laughs> we gotta keep adding brawl in seth okay <laughs> uh, good in brawl that's the new good in commander <laughs> Alright, uh, really quickly, let's touch upon the last cycle. Uh, so we had, uh, what is Steel Leaf Champion? The triple yes. green. Uh, there's a whole cycle of them. And we, we have Tempest of Jin. It's triple blue, zero four, flying. It gets plus one plus zero for each basic island you control. Eh. I don't know why they had to throw basic in there. Like, could could it just not be island? <laughs> that kind of is what kills it for me, too. I've heard speculation. Return to Ravnica apparently is the rumor. It's not confirmed that I've heard, but for the fall set. So maybe they were worried about overpowered with Shocklands or something. Is this our first, like, return to return to Ravnica? 
<laughs> like, uh, yeah. have we visited a plane for the third time yet? <laughs> I think this is the first time. Okay, so RT, RTR? <laughs> I mean, assuming, assuming, like I said, not confirm. That's just people reading the tea leaves and the signs, so. Yeah, this doesn't feel very Digini, but it's weird. I mean, I guess if you're playing Mono Blue and have 10 islands, this could be a pretty sweet 3 mana 10 4. I think this is the worst member of the cycle by a pretty significant margin. All right, moving on. We got Dread Shade, triple black, 3 3. It's a shade. Pay a black. Uh, Dread Shade gets plus 1 plus 1 until end of turn. I think this is actually a pretty good card. This is like an actually, like, decent body without the pump effect. <laughs> Usually shades are really bad in that regards. Yeah, they're like four mana one ones or yep. something. <laughs> yeah, the fact that you're getting a three mana three three, that's already a good body, especially in a black creature. And then it's almost like unblockable. If you've ever played against the shade mechanic, it's really hard to throw a creature in front of it if your opponent just attacks all their mana up, because then you're going to be afraid they're going to pump it and blow you out. So I feel like this card's really good. The problem with all of these cards, uh, and I probably won't repeat it every single time, but it's hard to cast them. The idea of these cards is you basically got to be a monocolor deck for them to work. So I don't know how many mono black decks we'll have in standard, but it's certainly playable. Like, the body's good, the ability's good. If there's a mono black deck, this could definitely be a part of it. Yeah, I'm waiting for Commander, where I have Crypt Gast out, I have a Cabal <laughs> Coffers, I have a Cabal Stronghold, and I have uh, Nykthos. How much mana can I generate? Uh, depends on how many swamps you have. <laughs> and I have zero swamps because I put all non-basic lands. <laughs> yeah, you, you just have Cabal Coffers and Cabal Stronghold and Nick those. <laughs> Not looking good. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Stronghold in a second, but we'll finish off uh, the cycle here. We have Goblin Chain Whirler, triple red, 3-3 first strike. When it enters a battlefield, it deals one damage to each opponent and each creature and Planeswalker they control. This card's really good, too. I think this one will see standard play because we already have Ramen on bread, and worst case, uh, bringing it against tokens, clear out a bunch of X1s, have a 3-3 first strike for 3 is a reasonable body on its own, so I think this one's pretty good. Same, you gotta be able to pay triple red to cast it, but it's pretty good. Really, I would have voted for this to be the weakest of the cycle. Just pinging one to everything is very niche <laughs> there, there's only so many uses for it three mana three three first strike is eh, eh. <laughs> and uh the last member banalish marshall triple white three three human knight other creatures you control get plus one plus one i mean it's a three mana lord which is already the going rate for lords for the most part for anything no tribal restriction seems like it could be pretty good in like a white weenie deck yeah people used to play Oh, what was it? Always watching? Stuff like that. So yep. now you get either the benefit or drawback of it being on a body. The benefit is it attacks for damage if you have nothing else. The drawback is it uh, dies to Doomblade and whatnot. But uh, Knight Tribal? Can we do it? it is, you don't even need Knights. This is actually just an Anthem effect for everything. But it is a Knight. So <laughs> there are lots of Knights on Dominaria and maybe the Knight synergies will be relevant. And important to know, unlike most of the Dominaria cards, none of these are legendary, so you can't just, like, stack up Benelish Marshals and pump each other and go to town. All right, uh, last last card. We rough, we we referenced it earlier. Cabal Stronghold. It's a land. It taps to add a colorless. Three tap, add black for each basic swamp you control. It is the most fixed version of Cabal Coffers I could ever imagine. 
<laughs> is it fixed though? It adds mana by itself and it enters the battlefield untapped. Yeah, so hmm. if you're mono black, there's like almost no difference. I, I, I guess your utility lands, if you have an Orberg, aren't basic. Uh, but other than that, if you're just playing swamps, I think this thing might be better than coffers. The other thing is it's it's one more to get going. Mm-hmm. Like you need f- five basic swamps to produce one the first extra mana. Like if you have five swamps in this, you make seven mana. That's that's a lot of basic swamps. And the basic restriction, like part of what made Cabal Coffers so good is you just play whatever you want, and then it's like a combo with Herblorg, which yeah. turns Cabal Coffers into a swamp. So I don't think this card's horrible. If you're mono black, it can still be good, but I think it's I think it's a lot worse than Cabal Coffers. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, that's that's correct. <laughs> but is this standard playable, Seth? <laughs> can we do something with this? Uh, the only mono black deck we have right now is like aggro, so maybe we have like Torment of Hailfire as a big finisher, so maybe we could do Swamp Ramp or something, but I don't know how you ramp when you can only play basic swamps in your deck, so well, I, I, it feels like a long shot, but if you can somehow get five, six, seven swamps on the battlefield, this card is really powerful, and the opportunity cost is kind of low, because like you said, enters untapped, does produce mana right away, which is one of the downsides of coffers itself, so... I'm going to go with maybe, but I'm not super hopeful. I'm I'm hopeful. You have stuff like Cut to Ribbons. Uh, you know, this thing is a, a colorless land, which you can use. And if the game goes late enough, you can actually, like, fire off a gigantic Ribbons if you have enough swamps. But so- then how do, how do you make the two... How do you make the two red mana? You also have... You so you need, you need like, mountains. eight swamps, two mountains, and... Have you never been flooded out as an aggro deck set? This gives okay. you... <laughs> if, if you get... Yes, if you have ten, ten lands on the battlefield in your aggro deck, this card is... It's good. <laughs> when they settle the wreckage you, you're like, yeah, ha okay. <laughs> You put in all the swamps, and then you ribbons them. <laughs> I was going to say you could settle the wreckage yourself, but then I forgot you need two white mana to do that, so... <laughs> uh, if this was, like, not basic, it'd be so much better. Yes, that would go a long way. I don't know why they have that arbitrary restriction. Well, like, to, it's do a... the, to not make it insanely powerful and auto-include it every deck in standard, right? Uh, they did it with the Jin too, though, and that card, I don't, that wouldn't be busted. If yeah, you could... I don't know what's up with that. Yeah. But if, you, if you have basics in an Orborg, this still works, only for the basics. So if you have, like, planes or something, and you play an Orborg, that's a, that's a basic swamp, so that counts. But if you that's have, like, a strip true. mine, it doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's Seth. a it's cool callback at least. You you know where it's better than coffers? Where in brawl? <laughs> coffers is illegal. <laughs> Can't do anything. Uh, that that is <laughs> it a good, gives you that, a game loss. <laughs> that is a good point. That is a good point. Uh, all right. That's all the spoilers you want to talk about, Seth. Any any last cards you want to bring up? Uh, I think I think we hit most of the big ones. I'm definitely still super excited for this set. I think it looks super fun. I was saying this on stream the other day. This might be the best budget magic slash against the odds set we've ever had because there's so many unique legendary creatures, which as far as like, oh, I'm going to break standard with them, it's going to be hard because they're legendary. But as far as like, I want to build a unique deck around them, we have way more options than most sets, I think. Yeah, this is possibly the greatest commander product 
outside of Commander, and maybe even including Commander. There are so many cards I want to build decks around or include in my decks. It's actually crazy. They could have called this Commander 2019 or whatever, and <laughs> we wouldn't have blinked an eye. I'm like, ah, that looks that looks about right. Yeah, that's that is a good point. This is probably the best Commander set ever, and definitely the best Brawl set ever. <laughs> no arguments. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Fishmail. If you have any questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Sinfoid asks, when are we going to see a Brewer's Minute on beard cultivation? <laughs> I don't know if cultivating a beard counts as brewing. <laughs> we, we need the, the beard content, Seth. That is what people are asking for. All right, I will consider it after I do the dapping video. Did I say that right? <laughs> Dabbing. <laughs> Dabbing, there we go. <laughs> a lost Le- Leonin. If Raph Capuchin can flash in Planeswalkers, would it be useful? Uh... So Raph Capuchin can flash in historic spells currently. So it can flash in Planeswalkers. I think it can, Because Planeswalkers yeah. are legendaries. They are. Would it be um... useful? I don't know, because you can't activate them. But you get the surprise factor of flashing in a Planeswalker. Yeah, that that is the downside. If you could figure out a way to activate them on your opponent's turn, it would be a little more powerful. Yeah. Uh, Bruno Alzaguire, deep in the arena code, there's a thing called Arena Modern, with sets from Shadows Over Innistrad to Dominaria. What do you think about this arbitrary cut? I don't put much weight in it. I've had people ask me about this on stream and stuff, and at this point, with Arena being so much in the beta, I'm not willing to concede that that's the starting point. I, I'm sure there will be Arena Modern, but I think that the starting point, I don't necessarily believe this file is set in stone to mean that that's the starting point. Yeah, I, I don't think anything is set, but I think this is most likely Arena Modern. What, whatever, when they launch Arena, whatever the earliest standard set uh, that they support is, that will be the start of Arena Modern, I believe. I, I don't think they would go back and add, like, cons block or something just to make Arena Modern work. It'd be whatever they launched with, whatever the oldest set is, that going forward will be modern. That seems like a not the most ideal way to create a new format. <laughs> just like, yeah, hey, we don't feel like programming anymore, so we'll start here. It, it's like Brawl, right? It's just like, <laughs> they just make it so you can use your cards, but they're not going to go back and randomly add cards or something to yeah. make it more balanced. They might ban something, but I'm pretty sure whatever they launch it with is going to be the, the start of modern. The unfortunate part uh, for Arena Modern, if it does start with shards uh, or Shadows over Innistrad, is you are literally hitting all the banned cards. Like, your, your format is going to be very small because there's not many sets yet, and it is literally going to be mostly the worst standard we've had in the history of magic with emerkles and smugglers copters and energy so it sounds like an absolutely miserable format there might have to be a lot of bannings uh, to kick off that format maybe but it's probably a far ways out it would probably be like many sets beyond dominaria by the time arena modern becomes a thing i don't know though because they talked about rotation and Kaladesh yeah, uh, you rotates mean, this fall you think as soon as the first rotation happens we're getting arena modern I uh, wild <laughs> it's basically but didn't Hearthstone take no no their rotation happened with lots of sets though okay yeah I don't know I they have talked about wanting to make sure you can keep playing your cards because they force yeah. you to keep all your cards with no dusting so if people can't use their rotating cards and you can't get rid of them I think people are gonna 
complain about that a lot. If you have like, oh, for the next three years, I have all, I ground for 500 hours to get these Kaladesh cards and they do me literally no good on Magic Arena and I can't dust them. Seems like something people would complain about. <laughs> Just throw, throw the Kaladesh block into the vault. <laughs> get one <laughs> random mythic out of it. <laughs> all right. Uh, Next question, Relin1. No one is talking about Brawl in terms of an arena format. Seems easy to get one of each card in standard to brew infinite Brawl decks for replayability. Do you think this will help free-to-play players get around the economy? Uh, I guess we'll have to see how supported it is. Like, we're in a weird spot with arena. Like, are there going to be ladders and tournaments for ball you think or are they going to add a way where you can just like uh challenge one of your friends like you do on magic online so i think that that's what would have to be determined like i don't even know how you play arena on or play brawl on arena right now Well, you need to support four players which almost guaranteed it will not be so it'll be 1v1 brawl which i think loses the appeal of brawl it's kind of like how Moto have one v- has 1v1 Commander, but like no one really plays it because it's not actually Commander. Because it's when you have just one opponent, it's a totally different game. They actually had a singleton format on Magic Online for a while, which would almost exactly... Like, slight twist, because you have something in your command zone, but it would be very similar to that. And that ended up going away because it wasn't very popular. Yeah, but if they could support four-player Brawl on Arena, I could see Brawl being the actually the most popular format on Arena. Interesting. And, and that's like kind of the thing, right? Because it's it's easy to build decks, like uh, the commenter said. Like you only need one of a card, and it's casual, and you know you don't need a top tier deck when you're playing with four people. Like the <laughs> politics and dynamics kind of balance out the power level. So I think it can work. Could you imagine trying to play a four player magic game on your cell phone? <laughs> like how would you even like how do you represent that visually? Like, Magic Online really struggles with that, and I don't know how on Arena they would have four people playing in that, like, You would need to, like, have to swipe sideways to view everyone's board state. (laughs) Something weird like that. I I don't know how you would do it, but knowing Wizards, almost assuredly, they have not implemented four players on Magic Arena, and you will never see proper Brawl or Commander on Arena. You'll probably get a 1v1 variant, if anything. Uh, Next question, Elias2718. Could Arena benefit from colored wild cards in addition to regular ones so you don't feel bad using your rares on something other than your main deck? Wait, so it'd be like a wild card that you could only use on a yeah, blue? Yeah, so like a, I guess like a red wild card or something. And you Isn't only... that just like a strictly worse wild card? I think you would get more of these, though. So so the problem that uh, Relin is bringing up makes a lot of sense. Like, if you have one Mythic... And your deck is not complete, you feel really bad using it on a second deck. So you kind of hoard them for your primary deck. But if you opened a white mythic wild card and your deck was red, then you would feel free to craft. But uh, wouldn't you feel worse because you really wanted another white mythic wild card? Well, so they, you they, could they make would your be, deck work? They would be more common though, you theoretically, right? They'd be more <sighs> common than the all-colored wild cards. I think that that doesn't really solve the problems with it. Like, yeah, sure, I, think I guess, but I don't think that actually fixes the issues I have with the economy. It's an interesting idea, but I think it's, like, too complicated because now you have, like, colored wild cards and then you have rarity wild cards and it's all it's all over the place. Or, like, converted mana cost. <laughs> Your three-drop <laughs> red wild card, go. <laughs> 
set wild cards could be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like any mythic from Amonkhet or something. I don't know. There's always all all kinds of ways it can do this. They need to do the Magic Online treasure chest where you can, like, once every, I don't know, thousand or something, you just get a complete set. <laughs> oh, that would be, that'd be sweet. Yeah, the complete set wild card. I want one of those. <laughs> but you, you need four of them to <laughs> make progress. <laughs> Not right. in Brawl. It would be perfect for Brawl players. <laughs> Downright dick. I love playing Burn, but feel that Boros and Naya can't be the end-all decks in Modern. I have seen some Jund and Mardu decks that look spicy. What do you guys think about these other Burn decks? Oh, Jund Burn and Mardu Burn. Uh, they're fine. I don't know. I'm not sure that I've seen one that I've actually thought is better. If you're just trying to win a tournament, than Naya slash Boros base Burn. But... I think they're competitive enough that you can win with them. Yeah, the more colors you add, the worse it gets because you got to shock yourself. And there are a lot of aggressive decks in modern, so it actually is kind of important that you don't kill yourself. So I don't know. Bump in the night is cool, though. I like, I like, I like to see some black-based burn. <laughs> uh, T Laser recently started competitive EDH and Canadian Highlander in paper. Wondering if I should pick up Imperial Seal, given that Watsi has recently shown they're willing to reprint. Uh, P3K, Portal 3 Kingdom cards, and old Judge promos. Oh, man. I'm sure that Imperial Seal is near the top of Wizards' reprint list. With them moving away from modern masters to old stuff that no one wants but is expensive masters, it's got to be right up there with Imperial Recruiter on the top of their list. So, I, I mean, get it if you need to. There's no way of knowing if it'll be the six months Earth four years, but I would be surprised if that wasn't reprinted at some point in the not super distant future. All right. Jake Fisher, since Jace is back, does this kill my dreams of getting Splinter Twin unbanned? Seems like Jace would make the deck too good. Maybe? I don't think Wizards was really considering unbanning Splinter Twin anyway, so... Yeah. Uh, I mean, they could... I mean, we, we all kind of think that Splinter Twin was banned just to shake up the metagame, so maybe they one day unbanned it. I mean, they unbanned Jace. How bad can Splinter Twin be, right? It's <laughs> a good, actually a pretty good argument. <laughs> we'll use the Jace argument for everything. They unbanned <laughs> Jace and it was fine. Give me yours. Yeah, give me those skull clamps. <laughs> all right. Uh, DC Dezeras, have you thought about rating all new Planeswalkers on a doubling season scale? <laughs> Basically, 1 to 10 rating and how broken they are with doubling season. Basically, it's really simple. (laughs) As long as it ultimates right away with double loyalty, it's a 10. If it doesn't ultimate right away with double loyalty, it's a 0. That's that's pretty much exactly how the rating would work. Alright, Streakist. In Modern, Legacy, and Commander, I can play all style... I can play a style of deck I enjoy. In Standard, I'm forced to choose between a varying subset of options that may not cater to me. Isn't this the inherent flaw in Standard? I don't know if I... I mean, I don't know what style of deck this person specifically enjoys, but I feel like Standard has most styles of deck. Like, sometimes combo, I guess, would be the one that would be mostly lacking, and you can still build combo decks in Standard. They might not be Tier 1, but it they exist with, like, Paradox Engine and Aetherflux Reservoirs, so I don't know. I, what style of deck do you think would be missing from Standard? I mean, I think lots, like combo, or if I want to play mid-range, there's typically one mid-range deck. Uh, you know, like if I want to play a white-based mid-range deck, does it exist? I want to play a blue-based mid-range deck. So I, I think that is a real thing. If I want to play like a black, 
control deck or black aggro deck or black mid-range deck. It may not exist, right? There may be an aggro deck or a control deck, but maybe not in the colors I want. So that is a real thing, but the trade-off is it's a smaller card pool, so obviously you're not going to be as flexible in what you're building, but it rotates often, so it's fresh. So I, that's the trade-off for playing standard. Uh, next question. As somebody who plays MTG... Since Amonkhet and mostly drafts, I really like Brawl. Please keep covering the development of the format during your podcast. I think we talked more about Brawl than any other format this week. I mean, even the fish mill, everyone is excited about Brawl. <laughs> there are so many new players that don't have, you know, an infinite collection, and they want to get in on this 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 commander action. I'll be curious. Is this going to be Tiny Leaders, where everyone's excited for six months and then everyone forgets about it. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I, because it's not 1v1. I think because it's multiplayer, it doesn't need to be balanced. So I, I think I think that part of it will, will be the key. Alan PB, has vehicles become evergreen like equipment? It looks like it. I think they're still rarer than equipment. We haven't seen as many vehicles per set, I don't think, outside of Kaladash as we do equipment, but it seems like if there's a card that should be a vehicle and it's important to the story, Wizards is fine with putting it in pretty much any set at this point. You know, you know what I wanted to see? Juggernaut become a vehicle. Ooh. It's like so clearly a vehicle, but for some reason it drives itself. <laughs> like, it needs to be crewed now, sorry. We, we retconned Juggernaut. <laughs> Uh, Beer of Nihilia. <laughs> if Arena becomes a platform for drafting and standard, how will that affect moto availability of standard cards? Uh, so someone asked me about this on Twitter. I think that basically it equals out. In theory, if lots of people switch to Arena for standard and drafting, there would be less of those cards on Magic Online, but there would be less people on Magic Online that would need those cards. So, in theory, like, supply goes down, demand goes down, roughly the same amount, prices stay about the same. If there is some weird world where, like, people switch just for drafting but didn't want to play constructed on arena and still played magic online for that then something like that could make it weird but i assume that those two things would mostly go together all right admiral wolf seth mentioned on the most recent against the odds that you would do planeswalker tribals with three or more cards does obnixless count since he has two planeswalkers and two creature forms what about Karn after Dominaria? Two planeswalkers, one creature. Uh, I hadn't thought through the the mixed tribal. I guess character tribal? Maybe we'll try some character tribal decks at some point. All right. USA Forever 7. Do you feel like the biggest barrier of entry into Brawl from Commander is uh, real relieving? Maybe this is realizing that you have to get new decks after rotation. How would this change so more people play Brawl? Uh... I don't think we will expect that to change. I think that Wizard wants Brawl to be a rotating format, so I think that you got to treat Brawl as like, I'm playing standard anyway, I have these cards anyway, I can buy 10 extra dollars of stuff to fill out my deck and have a Brawl deck. I don't think you want to treat Brawl like, oh, I'm going to spend $300 to buy a Brawl deck because it's just, I don't know if it will be worth it. If you're going to do that, you might as well buy a not super expensive commander deck, I would assume. So I think that that's where it fits. Like, to give you more value out of the cards you're already buying to play standard or opening boxes or fat packs or whatever. 
Yeah, I, I think that is a good point, though. I think most people don't realize it's going to rotate. Like, they know, but they don't really think about it. Because with Commander, it's a good casual format because your Commander deck from five years ago is still probably functional. Unless they ban something from it. So you can piece it together over time and you can bust it out when your friends ask you to play. Whereas with Brawl, you need to be up to date. You need to be actively playing and you know dealing with rotation and things like that. So maybe in that sense, it's not as good as a casual format. You can't just have your really old Brawl deck and just bring it out anytime. Yeah, I think that is very true. Uh, next question. Mr. Lee Bao, what color Planeswalker would you be, your title, and what would your emblem do? Ooh, uh, maybe emblem would be like, whenever you draw a card, draw a card. That would be sweet. Probably blue or like Azurius. <laughs> so you just deck yourself immediately? What? <laughs> <laughs> you may. may dr- whenever you draw a card, you may draw a card. <laughs> Uh, I think my emblem would give all my creatures flying double strike first <laughs> indestructible <laughs> plus three plus three lifelink. It, it would be like a super, I, I guess I'd be like an Elspeth. I would make like janky tokens. Oh, what if I make shapeshifter tokens? Ooh, Changing that would be, tokens. That would be super cool. It fits in any tribal deck. Your ultimate is like, you know, a big anthem. Your minus is like draw cards based on the number of creatures of that type. That that would be my planeswalker card. That's so good. I should I should. I great should design. You should have done the great design <laughs> search, Richard. This is perfect. I wish we could play like Commander Clash by making our own commanders or something. Like something you do in paper where you like proxy up a fake commander. That would be pretty cool. L O Q. How do you feel about Nissa leaving the Gatewatch? Eh, I wish everyone would leave the Gatewatch. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's going on in the story. Who's in the Gatewatch then? <laughs> Uh, is it just Teferi, Teferi now. Teferi got an oath, so I think they traded places. Oh, is it when you have the oath that means you're joining the gate, gate watch? Is that what that uh, oath is for? I don't know. I think that you. Yeah, I think you're like taking the oath of like joining the gate watch or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm understanding the story. I still have to read <laughs> the story. So I like... haven't read it either, but I assume that's how it works. I'm probably gonna get yelled at <laughs> for being very wrong. <laughs> Legendary Hero Seven. Two theories. One, Brawl was introduced to give arena players a form of EDH. Two, the introduction of Brawl means Watsy plans to make more legendary creatures each set. Thoughts? They say it's not because of arena. I've heard, I watched one of the streams and they made it sound like it would probably come to arena, but it wasn't because of it. I thought it was because of arena. I don't know if we'll see more legendary creatures. It seems like Wizards has already amped that up because they've realized that Commander is super popular. So we've seen a big impact of Commander. So I think that Brawl just gets the crossover. Maybe small changes, like making sure you have multicolor legends or something that might not always exist. But I don't think it'll have a huge impact on the number of legends. Yeah, I think we're just seeing this legendary stuff because of Dominaria. That's like one of the big themes of the set so i i don't expect to see this many legendaries going forward uh last question malo malo man 87 are you able to comment if you're planning to update eight whack with dominaria uh i can comment no i don't well yes i probably will update (laughs) it but i don't think that the goblins from dominaria necessarily go in 8-whack. I would be more excited to play a deck like the Red-Black Goblins list we played that was a little bit more about going bigger in tribal, almost like legacy goblins, than the 8-whack shell itself. So we'll see goblins, but I don't know if those goblins will be in the 8-whack shell or on a slightly different non-whack goblin shell. Alright, that's all our fishmail questions. Thank you everyone for sending them in. Send them in to the hashtag MDGFishmail on Twitter to at MTGGoldfish, and we'll get to your questions on air.
Ooh, and I think that brings us to the end of episode 167 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So thank you to everyone for listening. Richard, big thanks to you for hanging out. Always fun. Yeah, always a pleasure, Seth. And we will be back next week. We'll have the full set of Dominaria, whatever else is going on. So until then, this is the crew signing out.